Thank you for listening and welcome to the Life Radio Show, a proud member of the SJ Network and Breaking the Fourth Wall Entertainment. I'm your host, Don Smith. This week I got the chance to speak with young filmmaker Richard Bergen, director of the upcoming horror movie Fang. We discuss some of our favorite indie horror films. If you enjoy the show, like and follow The Life 1069 on Facebook and Don Smith Comedy on Twitter, or tune in live on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM, or you can stream the show live at WWSU1069.org. Overwhelms me. A brutal presence. This podcast is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and for contact information on publicist Steve Joyner. All right. Hey, welcome to the Life Radio Show. I'm your host, Don Smith. Uh, we took a brief recess from uh, Zoom recordings. I got to... Uh, over the past weekend, I got to record in Wiley's Comedy Club showroom with the Canned Air Podcast Boys, but we are back, back on Zoom again. We uh, Every now and then we need a break from Zoom, but here we are back where I can record once again in my pajamas, which is nice. <laughs> uh, so we're going to get moving right along. I have a filmmaker on, on Zoom with me today, uh, Richard Bergen. Welcome to the show, sir. Well, thank you. Thank you, Don. Thank you for having me. Yeah, How are you doing? You doing all right? Yeah, doing pretty well here. It's uh, I'm in uh, Chicago, and you're in oh, Dayton, yeah. so I guess there's uh, we're not too far apart, but there's a time difference still. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but not 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 enough that you'll get jet lagged by zooming over. <laughs> no, no, not quite. Yeah. Uh, so you are a filmmaker, and you've just is is your film complete now? Have you completed it, or is it getting really close? Or it's getting closer. I've been saying it's almost finished for the past couple of months, but now we're getting closer to it actually being almost finished. Nice. Are you still in principal photography or are you, are you in post-production that close to finish now? Oh, well, we're, we're well into post-production. We did principal photography in uh, January and February. Oh, good. Got it in before the, uh, before the pandemic. Yeah. Right before the pandemic. (laughs) Everybody said you're crazy. You're filming in Chicago in January and February. You're going to freeze your ass off. But my decision turned out to be good for reasons I never could have foreseen. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was, that was good. Otherwise, you'd have been locked out of set for a while. Because I actually. Dead straight. I, I was working on a short film that we finished. Like, we filmed it. The last day of principal photography was like two days before they shut down. Oh, wow. <laughs> we just barely got that one in under the wire. and We well, were like, even luckier <laughs> than me. Yeah. Like two, <laughs> two weeks before we started our, uh, I think was our first day on set for Black Wolf, which is a feature length uh, film. And of course that's all been shut down. And I think we pretty much scrapped all the footage from before. So we're just starting fresh. Uh, We've I'm been sorry. back on set a couple weeks. Oh no, it, it's, I think it'll work better this time. <laughs> oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> well, you, you know how indie film works. The, half of the actors we had that did the original footage aren't able to be in it now. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, it's the juggling cast of independent film. You got to love the excitement. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you got to get everybody nailed down oh, for the yeah. right dates. 
<laughs> yeah, now, now you're directing it. I directed it. Yeah, I, I directed Fang and Fang. Uh, wrote the script. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Right, writer director. Awesome. Are you are you playing a character in it too, or are you? Uh... Oh, I was originally thinking about acting in it. Then I realized, well, I'm already the writer. I'm already the <laughs> director. I'm already the executive producer. And you know, I don't need to do everything right. myself. This isn't a one minute show. Yeah, you you don't want to film with the, you're the only credit on there just for no. <laughs> like everything by Richard Bergen. Right. <laughs> right. Well, the, just call the movie Richard Bergen, a film by Richard Bergen, starring Richard <laughs> Bergen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The credits start to get a little redundant. <laughs> while. A little bit. Just don't even don't even give credits. Just your name. That's all it is. <laughs> just for the whole film. Just, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, uh, Fang is a horror movie. T- tell me a little bit about about Fang, and uh, without giving too much away, because you don't want to you don't want to give any spoilers out. But just tease us with a with a brief synopsis of Fang. Alrighty. Well, Fang is the story of a young man named. Billy Cochran, he is a janitor with undiagnosed autism, and he lives with his mother, Gina, in kind of this gritty neighborhood in Chicago. So so one night, Billy's kind of alone in his room. You know, he wakes up, uh, goes to the bathroom, and he finds this rat in the bathroom, and the rat jumps out and chases him and bites him. So after Billy gets bitten by the rat, that he starts to become convinced that he is transforming into a giant rat himself. And I'm going to leave it ambiguous as to whether this is really happening or whether this is in his head. That nice. is, yeah, that's, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> that's, that's the rest of the movie. Yeah, I, I've not heard a were-rat story before. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> So, uh, what got you in, interested in, in horror films? What are some of your uh, what What was some of your first experience with horror films? Well, you know, it's kind of funny because, like, you know, you talk to a lot of uh, horror fans, and like they they've been watching it since they were kids. But I didn't really watch a lot of horror when I was a kid. I kind of got into it more for the first time when I was a teenager, and that was when I got into it in, in a big way. But I would say that really probably my biggest influence in the horror department would be my own life. (laughs) (laughs) I I understand. I'm right there with you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So so you don't, you don't watch a lot of horror movies or do you now? Oh, I do. Yeah. I've, I've, I've been, I've been going through trying to see everything that, you know, I haven't seen yet. But I like I, I didn't you know like I I wasn't watching it like when I was five I had a relatively innocent childhood <laughs> that was then corrupted right 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 <laughs> then, then corrupted or corrected I don't know it's it's, yeah, it's a it mix of both because <laughs> <laughs> because horror movies and an indie filmmaker that's that's the route to go most of the time I think because I, I think there's a better market for it out there. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I think the thing with uh, horror is that it doesn't cost a tremendous amount of money to produce, but horror fans will watch just about anything as long as it has the horror label on it. Like, they're even, you know, even bad horror movies to have a cult following. 
Yeah, so. the bad one. The bad horror movies are some of the best ones out. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so even like, so even if you get up, you're still going to have people who are who are right. you know interested in watching it, and you're going to have like parties where they gather at midnight, be yeah. like, "Hey, let's get high and and watch this crap yeah, movie." Yeah. <laughs> that's 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 the beauty of the cult following. One, one of my hell favorites. yeah. One of my favorites, I mean, it's well known now, but it, it was a very low budget at the time, was uh, the original Evil Dead. Oh, yeah, that, that's and a good movie. That one was good, and then Evil Dead 2 came out, and that one, I was 11 years old when Evil Dead 2 came out. And my, my oldest brother was 18. He kept telling me, you, you don't want to watch this, man. You don't want to watch it. It's, it's, it. It freaked me out the first time I saw it. You don't want to watch it. And I'm like, I'm an 11-year-old kid. I'm saying, dude, I want to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> I so yeah, just, I mean it's I, forbidden. I, I, you gotta go. You gotta go see what's forbidden. Oh yeah. As a kid, and then as an adult, and then you're like, all right, now I want to feel like a kid again. Right. Well, I, I think I worried <laughs> my brothers because we all watched it together, and I'm 11 years old, and I'm thinking this thing is hysterical. I'm laughing <laughs> uncontrollably. This is the funniest thing I've seen. But no, <laughs> Evil Dead Two is a fantastic. Uh, <laughs> Still one of my favorites. And That's Bruce right. Campbell. Bruce Campbell's my hero. <laughs> that's good. So it, is that one that's on your list that you've seen? or? Yeah, I've, yeah, I've been kind of, you know, going through, like, like I like to watch kind of like a lot of the uh, horror movies that came out, you know, like 70s and, and 80s. Right. I think that was really kind of a golden age for it. And you can see that a lot of modern uh, horror directors are, are very influenced by that time to the point where they're sometimes doing remakes of those movies or movies that are basically remakes in spirit, but have a different title. I think the, the eighties were the heyday for horror movies. I mean, that's the Friday, the 13th, the nightmare on Elm street that they they were popular, not just in a horror realm. I mean, they actually, yeah, there's something kind of special about that era, really right. kind of just the kind of schlockiness of it, but it had a very good uh, style, you know, in the yeah. in the 80s. Everything yeah. was very kind of, you know, you look at the uh, covers for the old, like, kind of videotapes and uh, DVDs and horror books from back then, and it just has that certain, you know, that certain appeal to it that you don't always see. Yeah. Now, you know what I mean? Like the covers really kind of jump out and, and grab you because they're so over the top and yeah. stylish. Yeah, yeah. Now they, they put as, they put more gore on the cover now. So <laughs> you, you're more familiar with what you're getting ahead of time. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and I think the trailers get a little bloodier too, you know. Because yeah. that, that was the thing in the, in the 80s with horror movies. It was like the bloodier the better. And that's just gone on and on to where you have – you know some of the uh house of a thousand corpses some of the some of the stuff i'm not i'm not into a lot of the newer horror movies i haven't watched but yeah the 80s and 90s i definitely watched a lot yeah, of that's... <laughs> especially the low budget ones and one of my all-time favorites um the he later peter jackson of course went on to direct the lord of the rings trilogy yeah that was and, uh, i don't think anybody would have thought that Based on his uh, first couple of movies, right, <laughs> right. Cause, but Dead Dead Alive was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> 
I can't. It had a different title in because it was over in uh, New Zealand, and that <laughs> was that was definitely one. If you have not seen Dead Alive by Peter Jackson, that is a fantastic movie. Anything that anything that at one point the the star of the show uh, straps a lawnmower to his chest and starts running through a room full of zombies. That is beautiful. That's a beautiful thing, right there. That's, that's a very efficient uh, yeah. idea. He came up with yep. until he runs out of gas, then he's then he's kind of screwed. But up until that point, you know, you you got him. Just run into him, and they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> so the zombies are going to be running away from him, not the other way around. Right. Right. He's got. If somebody comes at me with a lawnmower strapped to their chest, I'm running too. I don't yeah, need to be a zombie to figure out that this is not going to end. No. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to be wearing all kinds of armor to prevent that. Right. And, he, and even then, grill. it's, it's got to be some pretty thick stuff because I've run over a rock and destroyed it with my lawnmower. At the oh, house. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be some powerful armor to withstand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I live in uh, Chicago, so I haven't used one since I was a kid, but they'll be having some uh, lawnmower-related uh, thoughts when I'm lying in bed tonight. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, if you watch Dead Alive, you'll definitely you'll have some lawnmower thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write down lawnmower thoughts. That might be the title of this episode. Yeah, that, that, that's-, that, that's a good title. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how I title my episodes. If we say something fun in the middle of it, it's like, oh, that sounds good. So, yeah, one more thoughts. I mean, hell, I wish I had thought of that title. Like, it's a right. title. <laughs> that that would be a good horror movie title because you know, that would. <laughs> yeah, even lawnmower dreams because any, any lawnmower dream is going to be a nightmare unless you're like uh, Hank Hill. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> he might have some good lawnmower dreams. Yeah, no, that would be his. That would be his happy place, being out on the uh, riding mower. Right, because th- there are some good horror movies that involve lawnmowers too. Oh, I guess because it's la- not it's, just lawnmower yeah. man. But uh, <laughs> here, here's a classic. Uh, how old are you? Just first of all. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm uh, 23. Okay, okay. So I just want to make yeah. sure you're of age before I recommend the movie. Frank. No, of course. <laughs> no, no. I've I've seen I've seen all kinds of uh, <laughs> stuff that could that would be unmentionable in a public yeah. uh, place. Yeah, there, there's there's a <laughs> horror movie from from the the 80s. One of the low budget ones called Frankenhooker. Yeah, I've heard about that. Fantastic. <laughs> and he, he actually runs over his fiance with a lawnmower and then tries, <laughs> to, re, tries to rebuild and reanimate her, uh, filling in missing parts of the parts that he uh, lifted off of dead prostitutes. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is a uh, that is an interesting uh, strategy for bringing back his wife. <laughs> it's very, very ingenuitive. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> You, you got to be careful where you push your uh, mower. Be careful nobody's in front of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I think for me as a kid, the main source of lawnmower horror was, you know, I, I didn't want to be outside in the 90-degree heat pushing the thing <laughs> over the grass. And then as an adult, I see all these other, you know, things that can be done with it. And I would be like, you know, I wish I had known about this so I could tell my mom and say, hey, it's not safe. Right, to be operating this more. Yeah, well, that'd be a good excuse. (laughs) That's why she hid all those movies from you. You weren't allowed to see (laughs) it because you you would realize the dangers of lawn mowing 
Absolutely. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and she would know that you could call children's services. <laughs> yeah, I would have. Just for making her mow the yard. It's like anything could happen. I could slip and fall and it go right over me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the amount of lawnmower accidents out there in horror movies, they're just tremendous. <laughs> So what, who are some of your favorite horror directors? Well, I think or that... Just your top, just your top favorite. Okay. <laughs> well, I think that, well, two of the first horror movies I saw were Psycho and The Shining. Hmm. And I think those are the two movies that really made me want to make uh, movies myself. Like, that, you know, because before that, I had just mostly seen kind of kids' movies, you know. Right non-horror related stuff and then when i saw that i was realized that you know that you could do so many more you know things in a movie that i didn't really think were possible you know before then so that was when the kind of the gears started turning in my head and i started to kind of look for the more disturbing aspects of right. <laughs> what was kind of going on in the world as i saw it yeah, I think I think after after 2020, they're going. There's a lot more fodder out there for horror movies. I mean, oh, stuff yeah. we never thought of. <laughs> We're going to be seeing a bunch of uh, pandemic themed. Yeah, yeah. Which, which there, there there have been some, you know, there have been some, but it's always the zombie apocalypse. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting for the horror movies involving, you know, being strangled by your face mask, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, murder hornets. That by itself, uh, just murder hornet alone, is a great title. <laughs> <laughs> so well, I think a lot of I think that would be more of a comedy horror. <laughs> murder hornets, right. given the impact they've had on uh, the twenty twenty compared to everything else, has been oh, more yeah. comedic. Yeah. I, I remember back in back in May, that was all. Murder hornets were all the rage. That was what was going to wipe us all out. Forget the pandemic. We got murder hornets. More murder hornets on the way. We're done. Yeah, <laughs> me out this year. <laughs> but you're right. They never developed. They just kind of they found a couple of them up in Washington State, and I guess they said, "Well, the, I guess they said America screwed enough. Let's head back to Asia." <laughs> yeah, yeah, they Let's they, they wanted greater pastures to uh, sting. Right, right. Because yeah, you gotta. <laughs> Well, the murder hornets were afraid to catch COVID nineteen off of that's them. right. Yeah, they wanted to stick some healthy people. Right, right. That's yeah. that's the murder hornet uh, way. You know, they wanted to. Uh, right. They wanted yeah. to have healthy, healthy blood <laughs> to ingest. They don't want to prey on the weak. They're they're they they like a no. challenge. They like a challenge. And they're not vultures. That, Besides that, they heard about all this comorbidity thing, and they didn't want to. <laughs> they didn't want. No, they didn't want to take any credited. chances. They didn't want their death credited to COVID nineteen, so they're like, "Nope, I'm staying away from that because if I kill a if I kill a fella, I want credit for it." And that's because they're they're murder hornets, but they're honorable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they uh, yeah, murder hornets have egos too. <laughs> right, they they want their proper credit. <laughs> Oh, so, and there there have been several other things trying to kill us. Of course, we're we're over here in the Midwest, you and I, so we yeah. don't have to worry as much about all the fires going on over there. But uh, yeah, oh yeah, I just been... got back from my uh, from a trip to Colorado, and it was, and 
you know, different people I was talking to there, they were saying there were these big fires just a, like a couple weeks ago. And I was like, whoa, you know, you're going like on a raft down the river. And then they're talking about how it's like there were fires on both sides of the canyon. Wow. And you're just kind of trapped in this inferno. Yeah, let's let's not bank here. Let's. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we're safe here. Let's just keep going. There's water. We're good. Yeah, that, <laughs> unless your boat catches on fire right <laughs> then you got to get out and swim yeah but still swimming is safer than being in the fire you know it is unless, yeah as long as you can the swim fire gets too close and the river starts to boil and then you can have some poached fish just coming right up you're good for food yeah, pretty much uh, <laughs> it's it's all about looking on the bright side of things that's true <laughs> so how much is left of Fang to get it ready to uh, ready to? Is are you going to hit the? Uh, are you going to try to hit the the? Uh, uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, the festival circuit with it, or are you going to try to get distribution? Where? What's the plan with Fang right now? Well, after we uh, get the movie done, which should be in the pretty near future, we're gonna I'm gonna try to shoot for getting a distribution deal. Like I don't want to. You know, with the whole festival situation with the pandemic is kind of right. up in the air right now. So I want to just kind of push to get it distributed. And it's probably going to go to one of the streaming networks. I'm hoping it's like Netflix or Amazon. Prime would be my top yeah, yeah, choices. The, yeah, there, and Amazon Prime, uh, there's a good possibility. And that's that's the neat thing about being a filmmaker now is, I mean, there are so oh, many yeah. more avenues than there ever were. No, it's great. You can make something that is really kind of, uh, you know, that appeals to a niche audience, and then you can find that uh, niche audience, you know, on the Internet and then push it to right. them. And, you know, people will be like, oh, wow, this is really cool, whereas – like somebody who is, you know, like a, like a mainstream movie goer might be like, what's this? <laughs> yeah. Hold on a second. Okay. I got to write those down if I'm going to put this out over the radio. <laughs> but no, where, <laughs> uh, where, where was I? But that, there are, there have been some, I know there was uh, a while back, there was a horror uh, festival that they did fully online and virtual. And that, you know, oh, cool. there, there are still some, but I've always, I've always felt that, you know, the way things are now, the way they used to be going through this, the festival circuits is kind of what you had to do to find a distributor. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I mean, yeah, now, now it's different. It's it. Yeah. There's a lot more proliferation of distributors out there and it's a lot, I won't say easier, but it's, they're a lot more accessible. Yeah. Than they were. Cause I remember when I first started, my first film was, uh, we shot in 2004 and even then, oh, wow. I mean, that's only 16 years ago, but still, that was a different that, world. Yeah, it was a totally different world for filmmaking because it was still everything was coming out on DVD. I think VHS was still a thing back then. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was in my household. Right. And th th there wasn't, I mean, the streaming was not, uh, it may have been there, like YouTube was there, but there wasn't much to it. And getting a full-length feature feature film on streaming was just about impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think people knew what streaming was back then. Right, right. I, I think that was like right at that. My, my dad still doesn't know what it is. Was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. Yeah. You're streaming. Yeah. That's uh, if you have problems with that, you see a doctor. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it, it's, it's a great time to be a filmmaker and, you know, cause, and it's a great time to be in, in any of that kind of en- entertainment stuff, right? Like even podcasting. Before, yeah. I mean, getting on the radio, it was, it was tough to do. And now you can do whatever you can. You can Anybody can do it from their house. About anything. Yeah. Yeah, and especially during the pandemic, I mean, we're still Hell yeah, we're still able to do it. And uh, I mean, filming's a little more difficult. We're uh, are, do you have any have any plans once Fang is done? Do you have anything you're do you have in the works? Any script you're working on now, or any ideas to to continue on? I do. Yes, I do have a, another screenplay that. Well, it's another one of those situations where I've been almost done writing it for a long time now, <laughs> but but I, I have been working on it and making uh, good progress. The title is Broken Angels. It's a thriller. The premise is that it's the story of a politician who lives in Florida. He's campaigning to get elected senator, and he's just kind of very charismatic, very suave handsome guy he's very good at manipulating people to do what he wants and he has a lot of uh you know respect and prestige in his community but he lives a double life as this kind of violent predator so so then like most politicians yeah yeah, he's not that he's not that much worse than the norm he's worse but you can see where he's coming from yeah slightly yeah only slightly <laughs> well, that's cool because you know eventually the world is going to reopen. We'll be able we'll be able to get back to all the things we love and get back to movie sets. Oh like yeah, said, we've I've been back on the set with uh, the Cinema Lexicon group doing uh, Black Wolf, and it, it's so great to be back on set again amongst people that are that are working on these these strange dreams that we have that don't, oh, that's all, great. That yeah. don't all involve lawnmowers <laughs> yeah i'll have to think of some like a fresh approach to the lawnmower angle for a scene at some point right right yeah that's a there's got to be more that can be done in horror movies with the lawnmower uh. <laughs> definitely that i I think that's uh, it's it's been out there some, but I think it's still an untapped resource. We can get more creative. Yeah, and there the are lawnmower. As <laughs> a there are many depths to the uh, to the mower. Yes, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> Did you say many decks? <laughs> uh, depths, but yeah, decks decks works yeah. too. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can raise and lower it. That way, you can you can go over bigger targets. That's what. That's what. Yeah. You need some kind of a monster lawnmower, big, big monster truck lawnmower, just running people down at random. That's yeah. We'll start working on that. You start, you start working on the screenplay. I'll start building the lawnmower. That's good. Yeah, because I don't know how to build a mower. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're going to take a little break. Uh, get uh, get some water. Take a little break. And uh, we will be back here shortly on the Life Radio Show with more from Richard Bergen. And we'll cover some uh, some fantastically important news stories to keep you all informed about everything that you need to know about in this crazy world. All right. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Uh, so, so I have people, you know, they say, hey, how do I find uh, my happy place? 
But the thing you gotta consider is that your happy place is determined by where you're at. And, or if that's what they would tell you. But if you think about your brain, you know, it collects all the information around you and then it puts it in your brain and starts thinking about stuff. And that determines where, you know, if you're in your happy place. And so if like your happy place is like Hawaii or something and you go, you get there Hawaii and then you find out that you know, the weather's not as good as it was, you know, you thought it'd be. You know, maybe the room service isn't all that good. So you think, well, I'm in my happy place, but then your happy place isn't all that good. Well, then it's not really your happy place. So what you do is you just determine that, well, my brain is just collecting information and determining my happy place, place I'm where I'm at. Well, if you just just decide that you, you're a place. I mean, you're just, technically, you're just a place that can just, you know, get up and walk around and stuff. So, you just decide that, you know, your happy place is anywhere you're going, well, then your happy place is wherever you are. Even if you're in Hawaii, or living in a dumpster, as long as your happy place is you, you're always in your happy place. So, be your own happy place. I think that was it. That's all I got to say about that. Okay, bye. found you, a smile on your face, a 
wrapped me in your arms You told me it's okay On the day that you met me Did you know what I would do? How could you still love me After what I'd done to you God, I'm so sorry God, I'm so Hey, what's up, guys? It's Chris Ristali of Breaking the Fourth Wall. If you enjoy our show, you can find it on YouTube. Just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment or just look up Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. And also you can find us on all the social medias. Just look for Realm of the Mist Entertainment. And I will catch you on the other side. Hey, this is Don Smith. I want to take a minute to tell you about The Devil's Apple, a new book by my friend William Morris. It's the true and brutally honest story about Bill's own battle with addiction. It was written for those struggling to overcome addiction as well as those watching a loved one struggle. In Bill's own words, you work just as hard to be an addict as you do to be clean and sober. You can find The Devil's Apple on Amazon.com and for a limited time you can get it for free on the Kindle app. Today we're teaching poodles how to fly. Come here. Come here, Foofy. Are you psyched? Are you ready? Okay. Here we go. Get ready and fly! Oh, man. 
All right. Hey, welcome back to the Life Radio Show. I'm your host, Don Smith. We are zooming right along with my guest, Richard Bergen, still hanging on there. You do, you still doing okay? I'm still doing okay, Dad. Perfect, perfect. Well, we... We're gonna we're we're gonna see if we can change that with some really strange news. <laughs> okay, <laughs> or it might just it, it might give you some great ideas for uh, for new movies. So yeah, you never you know. Go. It's yeah. I'll either get institutionalized or get some great ideas. One of the two. Right. It, it's it's. I mean, it's a toss up. It's a, it's a balance. <laughs> thin line. About fifty <laughs> about fifty fifty with my guests. Either you know being institutionalized or coming up with some new stuff. <laughs> I've, I've actually i had a comic on my show once that we covered a news story and he actually wrote an entire uh set for stand-up out of that one news story so you never oh, know wow. you never know you can come up with some weird stuff oh yeah man you never you never know where the uh where the evening might take us exactly exactly uh danbury mayor uh mark boughton uh, Danbury, Connecticut, said to WTNH TV that he would accept uh, John Oliver's challenge to name the city's sewage plant after him. Following Ol- Oliver's donate offer to donate fifty five thousand dollars to local charities, so apparently John Oliver wants a sewage plant named after him. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know why was a sewage plant in particular <laughs> be named after. That seems kind of uh, that's kind of an odd choice. I would think more like. He might want a theater or a civic center yeah, or a library. But yeah, something, library. Yeah, something like that. But or, a, sewage, a sewage plant. That's uh, why not? Uh, but the mayor well, said. It's probably that, cheaper. 55 <laughs> grand. You know, that wouldn't get you too far, you know, with like a library or something. Yeah, may, maybe like a wing. You get what? Like one shelf. <laughs> you, get, <laughs> you get a wing of that library. But no, That's he's, right. he's trying to get the whole sewage treatment plant. Uh, but the mayor said <laughs> there's one stipulation uh, to the facilities renaming. Uh, we do have one very specific condition. He said you must come here to Danbury and be physically present when we cut the ribbon. So he wants he wants John Oliver to be present when they name it after him. So yeah. Well, maybe they should be paying him fifty five grand uh, for that. Right. Get him to right. come out to the town. Yeah, and the, probably and the, pretty the busy guy. The the mayor says that uh, the fifty five thousand dollars is a little light for somebody of of Oliver's wealth, <laughs> <laughs> which I agree. I mean, if you're <laughs> yeah, yeah, but still, it, it is a sewage plant, so I don't yeah, know. I, I, don't, mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of a bizarre conflict because I could see you could make the argument either way. You could say that, well, you know, they should be paying John Oliver to give a speech there or John Oliver should be paying them more to have his name on the sewage place. It's kind of, it's just kind of right. a bizarre thing to wrap your, your head around. Yeah. It's a bizarre thing to want to wrap your name around. I mean, I don't, <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's $55,000, but I seriously doubt this guy has a line of people wanting to get a sewage plant named after them. No. <laughs> See, I think that's, <laughs> I, I think that's, I think that's great. I mean, $55,000 to local charities and all he wants is because yeah, who, who else is going to want a sewage plant named after them? Exactly. Yeah. It's not, yeah, I, don't I mean, want, I didn't like, even think that would be an industry of people wanting, you know, spending that kind of money to get a sewage plant right. named after them. 
I mean, if the Life Radio Show ever makes it big, I do think that would be, you know, the, the, life, the life Radio Show solid waste treatment facility does have a ring to it, I think. Yeah, I could work. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go for it. If, if I ever make it, that's, you, you, will, you will see the Life Radio Show solid waste treatment. That's, oh, that's, cool. Yeah. I now have a goal in life before I was, I was just aimlessly running through. Now I have a go goal. It's very specific. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, I I hope I, uh, I hope if I have any sewage problems, that they get processed through your plant after it opens. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I think, I think a sewage plant is, it would be appropriate for this show sometimes. Just, just from the news stories alone. Oh, definitely. (laughs) A Texas City's annual Rotary Duck Derby, delayed for months due to COVID-19 pandemic, went forward with without some of the usual fanfare. But the Guinness World Record for lining up rubber ducks. It, it went, yeah, all right. The City of Graham's third annual Rotary Duck Derby, which was originally scheduled for April, took place in the city's downtown square. Residents could sponsor a duck in the race for $5, $5 or 24 ducks for $100 if you ever wanted to sponsor a duck in a race. Uh, with the 24 be- ducks, you'd be, you'd be increasing your chances of, of winning by getting so many ducks right. that are sponsored by you. You'd be kind of like... It's like buying. It's like walking into you know Seven Eleven. Say I want a hundred lottery tickets. Your chances go up a hundred times. Right, right. I, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. Why waste five dollars on one duck when you can get twenty four ducks for a hundred? You know. Yeah, that's, it's a good deal. That's like a dollar off a duck almost. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but this year's event was light on arts and craft, but featured a Guinness World Record attempt for longest line of rubber ducks. We, we had to eliminate the few fun aspects for the kiddos, uh, so we thought a fan community event would be a would be to bag all these twenty thousand ducks and line them up to beat the Guinness World Record. Organizers said they expected the number of ducks to come out to twenty thousand, enough to break the Guinness record of seventeen thousand seven hundred eighty-two ducks. I didn't even uh, know there were records in that category. <laughs> <laughs> there are records on everything in the Guinness Book of World Records. I, I report on these a lot. There was one guy that had to he – he had a record of throwing, like, cotton balls into a basket on somebody's head. There was a specific enough record for that. Well, and he just – he didn't just get the record. He broke the record, which meant somebody thought of that stupid thing to do before him. So, <laughs> so yeah, you did, the Guinness World Record – Basically, all you have to do is come up with the weirdest thing and do it one time. You have the record That's until right. somebody does that same weird thing two times. And then you're, you, you gotta, <laughs> it just goes back and forth every year. And you got to come up with a new thing. Right, right. But the, the, one guy was talking about, the one guy was talking about with the cotton balls, I think he has broken like 150 Guinness World Records just by doing weird things like that. So yeah, they're out there. If that if you if you want that to be your claim to fame, you can you can do it. Well, I was hoping uh, Fang might be my claim to fame, but I guess if that doesn't work out, I can I can break one of these records. Exactly. There you go. Yeah, that's <laughs> an annual competition for surfing dogs in California went virtual amid the COVID nineteen pandemic, replacing the in person contest with videos of canines riding waves around the world. 
the Surf Dog Surfathon, which uh, <laughs> norm- normally is held each September at Del Mar Dog Beach in De- in Delmar. Delmar. Uh, I don't know why. Yeah, just a typo. Instead, was held virtually this year's with the owner of surfing dogs around the world submitting videos of their pets' prowess. Uh, the dogs were divided by weight class and judged on criteria including duration of the ride, the size of the wave, and special tricks, including walking on the board and barking. Oh, God. <laughs> As opposed to just swimming. That's, I get, I, I, yeah, I don't well, know. That People is, uh, taught their dogs to surf now, so why not? Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess if the dogs like being in the water. I don't know how many dogs like getting in the water, but if they do – then I guess you might as well teach them the trick yeah, yeah. of being a surfing dog. <laughs> and I would think <laughs> I would think if somebody's going to go through all the trouble of teaching their dog to surf, they're going to teach them how to bark while they're surfing so that they can get oh, the yeah. prizes for the extra tricks. That's because who, who wants to Yeah, they're kind of – and this is kind of like elite class of uh, eccentric dog trainers that are <laughs> – <laughs> coming up with this stuff yeah there you go <laughs> I, I want a dog that can surf sorry homer homer's sitting here looking at me like i can't surf <laughs> yeah, someday someday yep someday homer we will teach you how to surf <laughs> uh, a lifelong dungeons and dragons fan in canada is celebrating a big anniversary 38 years of running the same ongoing game oh wow wow 38 years. Robert Wardhall, not Warthog, but Wardhall, said he started running his campaign of the fantasy role-playing game, which relies on dice, characters created by players, and a lot of imagination to advance, in 1982, when only four players participated in the group. The players control their character, but that's all they control, Wardhall told CNN. I control all other aspects, whether it's the weather, uh, whether it's the setting, anything you're facing. Wardhall said he now runs two of the four sessions each week over Zoom for his nearly 60 active players. The Dungeon Master said the game started out by following the original 1982 version of the Dungeons & Dragons rules, but has since developed its own set of rules as the campaign evolved. (laughs) I bet. Why not? Thirty-eight. If you're playing the same campaign for 38 years, you are entitled to develop whatever rules you want at that point. You're the dungeon master. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of time to devote to that. Yeah, I would think somebody would have won by now. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's been a draw all this yeah. time. At least some players died off, you know? <laughs> Does he decide each week, okay, we – does he have a limit of how many players he can have, and he just kills off the extras when he gets to a certain point? I guess. <laughs> that, that's that's just crazy. I mean, as I, I played uh, – have you ever played Dungeons & Dragons, the board game? I think I might have played it like a couple of times when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I got kicked out. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> I, I was – I did not know. I, my cousin invited me – to a group that he played with and they were very serious about it. And oh, me, yeah. I'm not that serious. <laughs> no, I can tell. They did not like me from the start. I think because my, my dwarf character, I just named him Fido and the, and it just That's a good name for on, dwarf. I thought so. They thought it was disrespectful. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on, man. Don't, don't be dis- have fun. Fido. Yeah. <laughs> they just have fun. You know, Fido's a good name. I would have named him Fido. 
Right. But I mean, I would, I would do weird stuff throughout, you know, I, I, yeah, <laughs> they did. They, I lasted maybe an hour and they said, you got to leave. And they, they wouldn't even let my cousin play with them for, for like three weeks. They suspended him from the game for three weeks because he invited me. Shit. <laughs> that is, that is harsh. Yeah, they were, <laughs> oh, yeah. they were not the most fun group to play with. I could tell. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they were a little, they took their game a little too. I should have known when I walked in and they were all in costume. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's, uh, I probably shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of a sign that it's, it's starting to, uh, take over their lives a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of a no Fido uh, zone when you get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no Fido zone. I'm gonna write that down too because between yeah, lawnmower thoughts, that's a good title for like the second part of the uh, episode. Right. <laughs> no Fido Zone. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see what else do we have here. Here we'll we'll, we'll see if we can squeeze one more in. Uh, an amateur German football team was a soccer because it's German, but an amateur German football team lost a match 37 to nothing after they socially distanced from their opponents due to concerns about the coronavirus. <laughs> Why not just cancel the game? Why do they have to, like, <laughs> drag themselves down like that? <laughs> the losing side, I love their I love their team names, too. The losing side, SG Ripdorf Molson 2, uh, only <laughs> filled, <laughs> Ripdorf. Uh, only fo- only fielded seven players, as that was the minimum team size requ- required to compete. Uh, it came after their opponents for the game, SV Holdenstedt, too, uh, previously faced off against a team with a player who tested positive for coronavirus. Despite all of the Holdenstedt uh, squad testing negative, uh, Ripdorf did not feel conditions were safe enough to properly compete. However, the 11th tier of German football, there is a 200 uh, uh, euro fine for forfeiting the game. So they didn't want to play the fine. So they fielded their players, and they did everything to just run around and avoid them. (laughs) Oh, wow. That is – well, they they saved the 200 uh, euros, and they're probably not going to get the virus. So I guess they won the game of life. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, they looked like an idiot in the uh, soccer game, but <laughs> <laughs> they won in the uh, grander sense. Right, right. I would think what you get thirty-seven to nothing. I would think they would have called the game before that. I think the ref would have said, eh, "That's enough. Just throw in the towel." Or... <laughs> I guess... <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, you just have to kind of accept that. You know, okay. You know, once you get into kind of the twenties and thirties, and you still have zero. Right. You know, you're not going to turn it around. <laughs> yeah, there's no coming back at this point. See, I, I wonder, there, there has to have been a point in that game where the opposite team realized that <laughs> this is what these guys were doing. And just <laughs> at that point, they, they scored enough, they knew they were going to win. That's why they had 37 in like the first third of the game. So after that, yeah, after that they just out on the chased field, them around yeah. on the field. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be like, "Hey guys, how you doing?" Yeah, good game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, they were just they just chase them around. They leave the ball sit in the middle, and they just chase them around the rest of the game just to be jerks. I think because that's what I would do if I was on that team, and I realized every time I run toward this guy, he takes off running the other direction. I'm chasing him all over that field. 
until <laughs> one of us drops dead. <laughs> oh man, yeah, that is. Yeah, well, if, if the other team uh, dies, then you win by default. Right, win by I guess. Yeah. <laughs> even if you're, even if you have less points. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, because it's not like you, that's when you stage a comeback. If you're the only one left standing, <laughs> they aren't going to be able to stop you. I know, yeah, yeah. It helps when it helps when there there are several deaths on the field to pull ahead, right? And scoring. Oh, let's see. Okay, we we do have. Well, let's do one more just for fun. That sounds good. Uh, maybe this year's Ig Nobels, uh, the spoof prizes for dubious but humorous scientific achievement, should have been re- renamed the Ick Nobels. Uh, oh, hold on. Uh, an anthropologist, <laughs> uh, it played the video instead, so they got a weird noise that just came through. Uh, maybe that, uh, okay, an anthropologist who tested an urban legend by fashioning a knife out of frozen human feces. Uh, and, a man, and a man who found that spiders oddly give scientists who study insects the heebie-jeebies are among the 2020 winners. Uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic, Thursday's uh, annual Ig Nobel ceremony was a 75-minute pre-recorded virtual affair instead of the usual live event at Harvard University. Even so, it managed to maintain some of the event's traditions, including Nobel Prize laureates handing out the amusing alternatives. Uh, this year's winners. Uh, <laughs> also I love that they got the Nobel Prize laureates right. to come in. That's a really nice uh, touch that lends the whole thing an air of uh, legitimacy. Right, absolutely. Uh, this year's winners uh, included a collection of world leaders who think they're smarter than doctors and scientists and a team of Dutch and Belgian <laughs> There's a lot of those guys. <laughs> there certainly are. <laughs> and a team of uh, Dutch and Belgian researchers who looked at uh, why chewing and other sounds people make drive us crazy. Uh, Metten Aaron uh, has been fascinated since high school by a story of an Inuit man in Canada who made a knife out of his own excrement. The story has been told and retold, but is it true? Uh, <laughs> well, up in northern Canada, you could freeze it enough that it could... Right, it could work. Right, right. I could see that. Yep. Uh, Aaron, an assistant uh, professor at the Anth- of anthropology at Kent State University, right here in Ohio. So go Kent State and your frozen physics yeah. knife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and co-director of the university's experimental archaeology lab used real human feces frozen to minus 50 degrees centigrade and filed to a sharp edge. He then tried to cut meat with it. Oh no! That is that is unsanitary. I don't, I don't want it to anything to do with that. Especially if you. I would. Uh, I would. Yeah, that's because it's. Like I would rather, out. like if somebody has to stab me, I would rather be stabbed with a regular knife, not <laughs> not something like that. That is just right. that, that is that is a horror movie right there. Yeah, the the poop knives. <laughs> that's yeah. Uh, he he said in a telephone interview, the poop knives failed miserably. Uh, there's not a lot of basis empirically for this fantastic story. So, yeah, they, he did not. The the poop knives were not a success. Surprisingly, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why people didn't want to buy them. It's, yeah, it's, it's I don't baffling. Know. I don't know what could have possibly went wrong. <laughs> it, was, it was such a great idea. <laughs> and they would work with a prison shank, though. That would be yeah, that would be prison. the only place where the frozen poop knife would come in handy. Oh yeah, if you have one of those things in prison, you could you could really keep everybody else away from you oh, very yeah, yeah. effectively. <laughs> would not want to get near you. 
Yep, it, that would that would be a shank, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. There, there's your new movie, the shank redemption. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I got I to write that down so I can edit it out too. But we'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Richard. I'm going to give you a few minutes right now. If you have any social media you want to throw out there, uh, any website that you want people to check out, I'm going to give you a couple minutes so you can throw all your links out there so people will know where to find you and eventually know where to find Fang. So go right ahead. All righty. Well, I, I plan on uh, getting a website in the near future, but I don't have it up and running yet. So so for now, that is uh, – it's 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 one of my many ongoing projects yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> i understand that too <laughs> yeah a lot, a lot of different stuff going on and uh for my facebook presence i have my personal page which is just richard bergen and then i have my fang facebook page which is fang colon the movie and if you go to the fang the movie facebook page you can see a lot of different you know images from the movie you can see we have some, uh, you know, lines of dialogue and, and different actors talking about their experiences, you know, working on it, and and me talking about my experiences directing it. So it's it's a great uh, resource if you want to learn more about the movie. Perfect, perfect. Well, thanks for being on the show today, Richard. It, it was great talking to you. Great getting to know you a little bit. Well, thank I, you, Don. Uh, thank you for having me. It was, yeah. it was it was great. It was a great talk. We we went to some places I never would have imagined. <laughs> that that'll <laughs> happen on this show. <laughs> but I, I look forward to checking out Fang when it's available. I'm, oh, thank I'm, you. I'm, I'm well, I, that. I hope you have a, a fantastic time uh, watching <laughs> it. Absolutely. Well, thanks. For, thanks again for being on the show, and thanks for listening you're to the radio show. Uh, like I keep telling you guys, if you're going to keep listening, I'm just going to keep making them. All right. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Life Radio Show podcast. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, if you want to listen live, we are on Tuesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. on WWSU 106.9 FM. You can also stream the show live at WWSU1069.org, and we go Facebook Live at the Life Radio Show's Facebook page. If you have suggestions or comments, feel free to email thelife1069 at gmail.com. Overwhelms me. A brutal presence. Overwhelms me. I mean, hell, I wish I had thought of that.